So the hospital has pretty much everything you are going to need for your own postpartum comfort and for baby. So definitely use what they have and don't be shy about taking consumables home like pads, like underwear, like blankets for baby, like diapers, like all this stuff. Most nurses will automatically load you up before you go, but if they don't, don't be afraid to ask. It is always okay to be like, hey, can I get a few extra packs of pads? Hey, can I get an extra squirty bottle? The top of mine is kind of coming off. <laughs> you know, whatever. Don't be afraid to ask. It's always okay to ask. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Happy Monday, you guys. I am currently sitting in a closet. (laughs) When I was recording this episode, I know it's June 6th, but I was on vacation with my family. So I am sitting in a closet right now talking to you guys. (laughs) So I hope the sound quality sounds pretty good. I think it's actually sounding pretty good. So today we are going to be talking about that golden hour after birth and also what to kind of expect in the first 48 hours in your hospital stay, okay? So whenever I am helping moms get educated on prepping for their upcoming births, I always want to put that golden hour kind of on their radar because this uninterrupted first hour of baby's life is actually filled with such great evidence-based benefits for both baby and you. And fortunately, more and more labor and delivery units around the country are making that golden hour after birth a standard care when it's safe, obviously, and we're going to get into that because, you know, if baby comes out needing resuscitation or, you know, a preemie or something like that, obviously this golden hour isn't good to do right then. But knowing more about how beneficial it is when it is appropriate can help you advocate for it in your birth plan and after baby's delivery in the event that it doesn't, you know, just happen as standard practice. But again, more and more units around the country are kind of getting on board that this golden hour needs to really be standard practice because it's so great. So after we talk about that golden hour, like I said, we are going to talk about those first 48 hours in the hospital after birth, kind of what to expect, because those are really a critical time of recovery for you and for baby. And there's a lot that you can do during your hospital stay to really make your transition home with baby a bit easier. So we're going to get into all of that in this episode. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. 
So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. And now let's get into this week's episode. Okay, let's get right into it. So before we dive into this golden hour and exactly kind of what it is and all of the great benefits that I talked about in the intro and how to include it in your birth plan, I really want to give a big, big, big disclaimer. And I kind of talked about this a little bit in the intro as well. So the benefits of the golden hour after birth are only really worth it if it's safe for mom, you, and baby, okay? If for some reason you're not able to have an uninterrupted hour due to you, your stability, your medical stability, or baby stability, it is okay. Seriously, okay? No guilt here. Safety and stability are the top priorities always, guys, okay? Now, with that in mind, let's get into a little bit more about this golden hour and what it's all about. So in short, the golden hour is the first one to two hours after baby's life, okay? But more elaborately, it's a very distinct and informative time frame because this is your baby's first experience in that outside world, right? This time frame has been deemed the golden hour or magic hour because when it's spent skin to skin with you, mama, without interruption, so many evidence-based benefits occur. Like I said in the intro, the golden hour is really becoming standard practice in most birth settings, most L&D units around the U.S. here because these benefits are so undeniable, okay? This means that your baby will be placed on you skin to skin with just a light blanket to cover them. Baby will be put on your skin even before you deliver your placenta. Really what happens is you push baby out, the cord is still attached, your provider kind of holds baby for a second, (laughs) and then hands baby off to you. It's really just a couple seconds. But it is necessary to have your provider and L&D nurse on standby so they know that this hour is really important to you. So once that placenta is birthed, you've pushed that placenta out and the cord is cut. Really after that time frame, you and baby are both deemed stable, okay, if baby is stable and you are stable. And then that true uninterrupted hour can usually begin. So keep in mind that having your L&D nurse and provider or doula, you know, present can be really helpful for assisting with your initial latch and breastfeeding. I'll talk about this a little bit later too, but really at the heart of it, we want you and baby and your partner, obviously, they're pretty uninterrupted. All right. So what are these benefits that I keep talking about? So first off, This golden hour helps to regulate baby's body functions, okay? Research shows that skin-to-skin care after birth can stabilize cardiorespiratory systems, blood glucose levels, stress levels, body temperature, and promotes neuroregulation too. So many great things. It also reduces stress levels in you and baby. Research has documented measurably lower stress levels after just one hour, only one hour of skin-to-skin care. It's linked to better breastfeeding outcomes because really when you're able to do uninterrupted skin-to-skin, your baby will often self-initiate breastfeeding. 
So if you plan to breastfeed, skin-to-skin care is a wonderful way to get started on the right foot. And some research indicates an association between breastfeeding in that first hour and greater breastfeeding success overall. It also boosts baby's immune system. So while practicing skin-to-skin, your baby's immune system is being taught about good and bad bacteria from your body. It just kind of jumpstarts their little immune system. Another benefit, it promotes bonding. Spending time skin-to-skin with your baby can promote immediate bonding with your new baby because oxytocin, that good, feel-good hormone, surges in you and baby when baby is skin-to-skin. And finally, it lowers infant mortality rates. Studies suggest that when breastfeeding occurs within an hour of birth, there is a reduced risk of infant mortality by as much as 33%. Pretty cool. All right, so this golden hour actually comes with a few different stages, okay? This first hour of your baby's life has been highly studied, and it's fascinating that most babies will demonstrate the same nine distinct stages that I'm about to go over. It's pretty cool. So each stage can really vary in length, but I'm going to go over some estimations in all of these stages. All right, so the first one is that birth cry. Everybody knows what that what that is, right? This is that first scream that baby makes immediately after being born, okay? This first scream is important because it fills baby's lungs with air. Next up, relaxation. Next, a baby is placed on your stomach or chest, you know, right skin to skin. Baby is usually in a period of total relaxation where no mouth or hand movements are taking place. Then awakening, okay? At about three to five minutes after birth, your baby will start to move their head, open their eyes, and begin opening and closing their mouth. Next up, activity. So then your baby will be actively moving their mouth, suckling, rooting, doing little hand motions. Next up, rest. It's typical to see periods of rest after any kind of moments of activity, even if they're really, really short. Remember, baby, it was just born, and this outside world is pretty exhausting for them. Next up, the breast crawl. So you will see your baby crawl kind of towards your breast during periods of movement and activity to really help them reach that nipple. I know this sounds crazy because like newborn babies don't crawl, right? (laughs) But I've seen this. It's so crazy. They kind of like jump forward. If you just click on your YouTube app and type in breast crawl, It's crazy to see how they do this. Typically, this happens at about 35 minutes after birth, but again, it can range. You know, it can vary. Next, familiarization. So during this stage, a baby will be taking in your smell, licking and mouthing your nipple and breast and feeling your body to become really familiar with you. Two more stages. Next up is suckling, okay? So baby will start to self-initiate latching onto your nipple and suckling. This will be baby's first experience with breastfeeding. And when this happens, ask your nurse to come and look at baby's latch. Even though baby will often initiate that first latch on their own, you may need to kind of widen their latch. Remember, this is the first time that they have ever done this before. So they may need a little bit of help kind of widening their latch or kind of splaying their lips apart. And then finally, that last stage is sleep. After going through all eight of these stages, usually at one to two hours after birth, your baby will fall into a deep and restful sleep. And hopefully you can kind of get some sleep too. 
All right, so how do you incorporate this golden hour into your birth plan? So even though this is becoming the standard of care, which is great, I do always recommend making your wishes surrounding this golden hour clear on your birth plan and talking with your provider about it during one of your appointments before birth. All right, so here are some ways that you can indicate in your birth wishes that this is something that's really, really important to you, okay? First up, ask that if baby seems immediately stable, right? Have all drawing, suctioning, and stimulation done on your chest if possible, okay? There's really no need to bring baby over to the warmer if baby is stable. In some cases, baby will have to be taken to the warmer briefly for suctioning and stimulation, but most of the time, Really, most of the time, they can go directly on you and all of this stuff can be done right on your chest. You can ask for one minute and five minute APGAR score to be given while you're engaging in that immediate skin to skin if possible. Again, if baby is stable and their APGARs are eight and nine, this can be done on your chest. You can ask that all newborn care procedures be delayed that first hour to promote that first uninterrupted first hour on your chest. Ask that all visitors be kept out of the room for that first hour and that really only vital members of your birth team, like your doula, your labor and delivery nurse, your provider be present to help deliver your placenta, monitor your bleeding, help you with breastfeeding, all that good stuff. You can ask that the room feel calm and quiet during that first hour after birth, dim those lights, ask people to kind of talk quietly We kind of already do that, but if you have a particularly loud provider or loud L&D nurse, you can just, you know, request that in your birth plan, like, let's speak nice and softly. And then what about my C-section mamas, right? If you're having a planned C-section, discuss your wishes for immediate skin to skin in that OR and as much of a golden hour as possible, okay? Obviously, not all of these things can be done in the OR, but a good bit can. And this is really part of that growing movement that's going on of trying to move towards what we call gentle C-sections. And I have done a podcast episode on gentle C-sections before if you want to learn more about kind of what that entails. So kind of wrapping up the golden hour, I know that it isn't always possible, right? But if it is for you, soak it up. Okay, you have been waiting nine months for this dang baby to get here. (laughs) And I can't urge you enough to make this a priority on your birth plan, okay? In the event that you aren't stable, your partner can step in. Guess what? They can do skin to skin and baby can receive all of those great benefits from doing skin to skin on your partner. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, hi, Liesl, your class is amazing. My husband and I were able to complete it before going to our scheduled induction on Sunday. Oh, she's she just had a baby. We were able to make it to 37 weeks after having some elevated LFTs, chronic hypertension, and GD. So LFTs are like her liver enzymes, chronic hypertension is like high blood pressure, and then GD is gestational diabetes. She said, wasn't opposed to epidural, but did not go in necessarily wanting it. I wanted to see how far I could get without it. 
Yeah, fair. So she says, started Cytotec on Sunday night, had consistent five to six out of 10 contractions until like her pain level was five to six out of 10 contractions until starting Pitocin Monday, got to five centimeters on 16 of Pitocin before asking for an epidural Tuesday morning. I could have gone longer, but I didn't want to get to a point of no return. Smart girl. (laughs) Water broke the second the needle went in. Oh, okay. That's fun. Yeah. She says, so that was fun sitting in that for a while. (laughs) Started getting a lot of pain and feeling sick. So I got a bolus and slept for almost two hours. Woke up and felt some spreading down there. Ooh, woke up and felt some spreading down there. Doctor checked me and was complete plus three. Woo, that baby was just coming right through, right? (laughs) She said, pushed a few minutes later for three contractions and we had our sweet baby Oliver within minutes. Oh, baby Oliver. And she sent me a little picture too. So sweet. All right. If you want to check out the course that this mama took, I don't think she actually said, I think she took the epidural series. You can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the epidural series to learn more. All right. Let's get right back into this week's episode. All right. So what happens after this golden hour? All right, let's talk about your hospital stay, okay? I'm going to be going over what a typical hospital stay is like for an uncomplicated vaginal birth, okay? But again, in that episode where I talked about gentle C-sections, I did talk about what to expect if you're having a C-section, like kind of what your hospital stay is about. So I urge you to go and listen to that episode. And that episode, I just looked it up, is episode 114, and it's called C-section versus vaginal birth, which is the better option. Just kind of go over how sometimes vaginal birth, you know, does not outweigh having a C-section. Also got a ton of other episodes on the podcast just about C-sections in general. So if you go to our website and you type in C-section in the search bar, a ton of episodes will come up and a ton of blog articles. All right, so what happens immediately after you birth your baby? We talked about the golden hour, but like what's kind of going on also during this hour? So immediately after baby comes out, they will be dried and given any necessary suctioning and stimulation as needed, okay? And if baby is stable after delivery, like I talked about, this can usually be done directly on your chest. But sometimes they do need to be briefly taken to the warmer for more vigorous suctioning and stimulation. But once they perk up and they're nice and stable, they can go right back on your chest. A newborn specialist will be present to assign an APGAR score to baby at one minute after birth and then again at five minutes after birth. And just briefly, APGARs are just a standardized scoring system that evaluates baby's appearance, pulse, grimace, activity, and respiration, A-P-G-A-R. That's what it stands for. I don't think, did I say it? Yes, I said it in order. <laughs> so this is just a way of determining if really any immediate assistance or interventions are needed to help baby adapt to life on the outside. So after we've done this golden hour, okay, but before you kind of leave your labor and delivery room or before we kind of deem you as, okay, you're stable postpartum, some units, you know, you'll kind of just stay in that room. It's called an LDRP. And then other units, you'll deliver baby, stay in your labor and deliver room for about two hours, and then go over to postpartum. So before you go over to this postpartum unit or you're deemed postpartum, there are a few things that will happen. So your nurse will come in and get baby's measurements. 
She'll frequently check baby's bottle signs and administer a vitamin K shot and antibiotic eye ointment. And these are optional, okay, or they can be delayed until later in your stay if you wish. And then a lot is going on with you too, okay? So you'll deliver that placenta and then your uterus will begin contracting back down to its pre-pregnancy size right away. If you had any tearing during your birth, you will likely get stitched up during this time, okay? And in the event that you have a really severe tear, this is rare, but you may have to go to the OR for like a more extensive repair. Your nurse will also be assessing your uterus to make sure it's doing its job in the form of fundal rubs. Not so fun, but it says fundal rub, but they're not so fun. (laughs) So this is essential for spotting that extra bleeding that you might have and reducing the likelihood that you'll have a postpartum hemorrhage. So we do take it very seriously. If there is any sign that things aren't contracting properly, that uterus is not hard and kind of shifted over to the side and your bleeding is really starting to increase, we do have a number of interventions that we can do right at the bedside, okay, to help things not get so serious. All right, so once we feel like your bleeding is under control and we've done all of those first initial immediate post-birth things, your visitors can come into the room at your discretion. Like I said before, you know, if you're really going to try and promote that golden hour, I really wouldn't have any visitors in that first hour. But guess we can have something to eat and drink if you've not been having anything to eat or drink during labor. Usually people are quite hungry and thirsty after birth because you just did a whole lot of work and you need some fuel. So like I said, all of this takes about two hours, okay? And then we will transfer you and baby to a postpartum recovery room for the rest of your stay, or you'll stay in that same room and we'll check on you a lot less and kind of leave you you alone. Postpartum recovery rooms are typically a bit smaller than labor and delivery rooms. And in most part of the country, Private postpartum rooms seem to be the norm. You're not going to be sharing your room with somebody. The big exception here that I've discovered is in New York City. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you live in New York City, there are some hospitals that still have those shared postpartum rooms. And then in other parts of the country, like in other really densely populated urban hospitals, there might be a certain hospital where you won't have a private room. But guess what? You should definitely confirm the details of your postpartum room before you go into labor, before you have your C-section, so that you can kind of mentally prepare for whatever's going to happen if you do have to share a room. Okay, so what are these postpartum recovery rooms like? So I can mostly speak to the rooms at my hospital, but in chatting with other L&D nurses from around the country, what we have at my hospital seems to be kind of the norm. You won't get anything super fancy, right? We're not staying at the Four Seasons, but you will most likely have a private room with a bathroom, okay? Some recovery rooms have a double or a queen-size bed for partners, a pretty neat. Others have a pull-out sofa bed for partners to use. We personally have pull-out sofas. They're just pretty standard. As for you, you will likely have like a single standard hospital style bed that has motorized adjustment capabilities. You know, you can kind of raise your head, lay it back down, raise your feet, lay them back down. For baby, there usually is some sort of safe mobile bassinet or cart that they will use for sleep when they are rooming in with you and if they need to be transported at all around the floor as needed. 
Most, if not probably all hospitals do have a policy that baby can only be transported out of the room while they are in that little cart. Okay. This cart is often where baby supplies are stashed. Like they usually have little drawers underneath, diapers, burp cloths, you know, any creams, onesies, stuff like that. Some other things that might be in there, there might be a rocking chair, a little mini fridge, a small table, you know, with two chairs for eating and a TV. Many facilities around the country are adopting more of a family-centered approach to postpartum care, which is great. And this means that postpartum rooms include comfortable accommodations for partners and encourage new parents to do rooming in with baby for, if not all, most of your stay. This doesn't mean that you can't utilize that nursery a bit to get some much-needed sleep, but it does encourage you to have baby in the room as much as possible or as much as you need. The main goal behind this family-centered postpartum care model is so that partners are also learning how to care for their newborn as a team. You guys are a team, right? You both are using your hospital stay after birth as a time to really get to know your baby's cues and become more comfortable with newborn care while you guys are there with experts like nursing staff and lactation to help you if needed. Once you're moved over to your postpartum room, we will start to bother you a little bit less, okay? But we'll still probably be coming in every two to four hours to check you and your baby's vital signs. It may be more frequent if anything abnormal comes up, but we kind of try to stick to around every two to four hours. When your postpartum nurse comes in to check your vitals, they will also be assessing your pain, checking in about feeding, you know, when was last time baby was feeding, how that's going. And they're also obviously available to answer questions that come up. She'll likely do some educating or he. I've had a L&D nurse, postpartum nurse who was a male on my show. So I can't just say she, but most postpartum nurses are female but some may be male. So you might have a male. So your nurse will do some educating around things like swaddling, diaper changes, cord sump care, as well as, you know, how to make yourself more comfortable, like teaching you how to apply an ice pack, you know, to your bottom, or if you've had a C-section, you can use it on your incision and just other general postpartum care things like caring for your tear. Also throughout your stay, you can expect your baby's pediatrician to come in and visit baby at least twice or maybe more depending on any risk factors that baby might have or anything else that pops up. Baby will receive a heel stick blood test to screen for a number of disorders and in most states, a hearing test will also be done. So you'll also have an exam done by your OB or midwife before you can be discharged too, okay? And then there's also a ton of paperwork that you'll need to fill out, including that all-important info for the birth certificate, right? That is something that needs to be done before you get discharged. All right, so how long do you actually stay in the hospital after you give birth? So for vaginal deliveries, most insurance companies cover a 40-hour hospital stay, okay? And that seems to be like a general policy in the U.S. in most hospitals. But there are a number of factors that determine you and your baby's readiness for discharge, okay? Back in 2015, the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, did put out an official policy statement suggesting that the length of stay should be based on a set criteria instead of a length of time, okay? And some of these factors include 
health of the mother of you, health and stability of the newborn, ability and confidence of mom to care for herself and her newborn, adequacy of support systems at home, that's important to talk about, access to appropriate follow-up care, and input from mom, the provider, and pediatrician should also be considered. All things that make sense to me. But even with all of that in mind, it still seems to be that the average hospital stay is right kind of around that 48-hour mark, maybe a bit shorter or longer depending on the time of day that you give birth, right? If you give birth at 3 a.m., you know, it's kind of hard to give to go home right at 48 hours, but it does typically include two overnight stays. All right, so what happens if you want an especially short hospital stay, right? You're like, let me get out of here as soon as possible. I'm raising my hand because I just did not like sleeping in that hospital bed. So if you have an uncomplicated delivery and are interested in a briefer hospital stay, this actually may be possible, okay? I usually recommend that mamas ask about this ahead of time, right, after delivery, you know, to kind of understand their hospital's unique policy surrounding early discharge because it does vary from unit to unit. I have really seen many mamas leave sooner than 24 hours or right at around that 24-hour mark. That's definitely possible. Oftentimes, these are second-time moms or third-time moms or many time moms who have had uncomplicated vaginal births, okay? They feel confident in their newborn care ability and you and baby are both pretty stable. So if you want to leave after 24 hours, it will take a little bit of advocacy on your part, okay? There are a lot of hoops that you have to kind of jump through and we kind of have to expedite things pretty, you know, a little bit quicker. So if you are really wanting to leave ASAP, definitely speak up about this early if you are hoping for this and it's feeling possible, right, based on you and your baby's postpartum adjustment. All right, so let's go over some tips to how to make the most of this hospital stay. Okay, so number one, I want you to rest as much as possible, okay? This might seem obvious because there's, you know, a bed in your room. You're going to be in the bed a lot, but it actually can be kind of hard to do, especially if you're not the kind of person that can really rest very well in other beds. <laughs> I'm raising my hand again. And if you're not intentional about it, okay, after you give birth, your body really does need to heal. And in order for that to happen, you need to rest and you need to sleep. Sleep, 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 sleep. <laughs> Between all of the professionals, though, coming in to check on you and baby, plus, you know, you got to take care of that baby that you just had, it's really hard to sleep, okay? So my advice, don't overschedule visitors. Feel like you have to make a ton of phone calls, FaceTime during those first few days. You really need to treat that rest, treat that sleep like it is gold. All right, so that gets into my next point. I kind of already said it, but number two, definitely limit those visitors, okay? I really challenge you to limit visitors as much as possible during your stay, maybe even going as far as saying, you know, no visitors. As an LND nurse, I really see the way that visitors really just take away much needed rest and learning time for brand new moms, okay? And I'm not trying to bash you if you are like, no, I can't imagine like doing this without these visitors coming to see me. But the moms that don't have a ton of visitors often are able to really sleep more and they're able to rest more and spend more time focusing on learning breastfeeding and other newborn care techniques from professionals, from, you know, nursing staff at their fingertips. 
And actually one of the silver linings of this COVID pandemic that we just went through from my perspective as a nurse was that visitors weren't really allowed. Mom could really take that 48 hour hospital stay to truly just rest and focus on baby without the guilt of like hosting these visitors. And again, I know that not everybody's going to agree with me, but I just want to be kind of candid about my own perspective when visitors like just weren't allowed. All right, next tip. So I want you to learn about newborn care. Okay. It is such a gift during your hospital's day that you have access to expert newborn care specialists, right? Postpartum nurses, pediatricians, and really one-on-one time with all of these people. I want you to ask lots of questions, write things down that come up between when people come in and out of your room. Take videos. That's a really, really good tip that I'm planning on doing a post on, like a reel on like, hey, take videos of them giving baby a bath or take a video of them doing cord care. Next up, I want you to utilize that lactation consultant as much as possible if you plan to breastfeed, okay? I want you to become BFFs with that lactation consultant. Most big hospitals will have at least one there kind of all the time every day. They usually are only scheduled to drop in once or twice during your visit, like just standard as a standard drop-in. But if you're a squeaky wheel (laughs) and show a willingness and want to learn, you can see them a lot more often, okay? And honestly, any lactation consultant that I've met love coming in as much as possible. They are so passionate about helping people breastfeed. So if you want help from them, make it be known and they will come and help you. I really encourage you to ask for their help too, even if you really don't think that there's a problem going on here, going on while you're starting these early breastfeeding sessions. Just have them come in and watch you feed. I guarantee that they'll have some pointer, okay? Even if it's just like, hey, bring baby a little bit closer to you. That'll make you a little bit more comfortable or like use a pillow under your elbow right here. That'll make it a little bit more helpful. If your hospital doesn't really have any available LCs, your postpartum care nurse is probably also very well-versed in breastfeeding basics, so they can help tremendously. So definitely utilize her or him. (laughs) All right, next tip, have a plan for social media. Got to talk about social media, right? So if you don't want your birth announced on social media, especially before you get the chance to do it, (laughs) make sure you are super explicit with your loved ones. Be like, hey, dad, don't be posting pictures before I get on my social media about this baby, okay? I have definitely seen some family drama surrounding this. Definitely have seen it. That's why it is a tip in this podcast episode. I don't want you to have to deal with this. It's an uncomfortable conversation and it just makes you not feel so good. Obviously, if you don't mind other people sharing your news and posting freely, then that's totally fine too. This is just personal preference. All right, final tip, use those supplies. We got lots of stuff, use it. (laughs) So the hospital has pretty much everything you are going to need for your own postpartum comfort and for babies. So definitely use what they have and don't be shy about taking consumables home, like pads, like underwear, like blankets for baby, like diapers, like all this stuff. Most nurses will automatically load you up before you go, but if they don't, Don't be afraid to ask. It is always okay to be like, hey, can I get a few extra packs of pads? Hey, can I get an extra squirty bottle? The top of mine is kind of coming off. (laughs) You know, whatever. Don't be afraid to ask. It's always okay to ask. 
All right, that wraps up this episode. Like I mentioned in the intro, I think this is a part of birth, right? The after recovery. And that often kind of gets glossed over. We prepare so much for birth, right? But we don't prepare so much. It's kind of something that we're not thinking about. But there really is so much to learn and benefit from during your hospital stay after birth, okay? And with this knowledge, you are going to leave the hospital feeling ready to rock those newborn days. I have two plus hours of newborn care in all three of our birth courses. And then in our birth courses, in like the birth content sections, we also have a lot of info on what to expect during your postpartum early days, what to expect in those first few weeks postpartum. We're very, very passionate about like, hey, prepare for birth, but also prepare for postpartum. And here's what to expect. All right. I will catch you guys same time, same place next week. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.